you have your Bibles, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse 16 through 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 through 19. I want to uh, minister on ministry tonight. Uh, and I, if I guess if I could title it, I'd call it Going Above and Beyond the Call of Duty in Ministry. So in 1 Corinthians, if you have that, chapter 9, verse 16, Paul says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will I have been entrusted with the stewardship, what is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, and that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. Verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have, been made my, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. He said in verse 17, if I do it willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, this thing keeps shrinking, brother. Okay. All right. I'm going to keep going. Amen. Um. He said, for if I do this willingly, I have a reward, but if against my will, I've been entrusted with the stewardship. So what is ministry? I started thinking about what is ministry. And people have a lot of different ideas of what ministry is. And the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1.1 said, ministry is really about serving. We serve. We serve people. That's what we do. It's all about people. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know what? That's cool. I'll leave it. No, it's good. Okay. Now it's good. Okay. <laughs> so summed up, ministry is about serving God by serving people. That's what we do. You know, I remember I got discouraged years ago, and uh, somebody had asked me a question. I came back from pastoring in, in a city, and they said, what happened? You know, people always want to ask dumb questions. What happened? I said, well, I could have had revival if it wasn't for people. Amen? It's not a right mentality. Amen? It's, ministry is about serving people. Paul understood that ministry was about sacrifice because in Galatians 2.20, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So all ministry really has to be motivated by an obedience and a love of God. That's what ministry is all about. In 1 Corinthians 9, 16, let me read it again. If I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. Necessity is laid upon me, but woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. So this morning, I want to talk about uh, three important aspects of ministry. Number one, I want to talk about the privilege of ministry. Number two, the developing of a, of a spirit of excellence in ministry. And then I want to talk about the call of God. <clears throat> so number one, the privilege of ministry. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, he said, that you would have a walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom. Now the reason so many Christians, I believe, are dissatisfied in their, in their ministries is because number one, they got a wrong mentality about ministry. They, don't, they have a wrong mentality. Some think they're doing God a favor by getting involved. They're doing God a favor by joining the choir. They're doing God a favor by becoming an usher. And they act that's the mentality that they have. That's the attitude that they have. Others treat ministry like a job. So they feel forced to do it. 
And then there's no joy in what they do, and you can tell it by how they handle that ministry. You know, most people don't understand, and it's, it's, it's a tragedy, but ministry, all ministry is a privilege. It's an honor to be used of God. It's an honor, man, for God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything that exists to ask us to work for him and to ask us to do something for him. So what happens is we diminish the value of any ministry by how we view that ministry, how we talk about that ministry, whether or not we pray about it, how we work in that ministry. In other words, our loyalties, amen, how faithful we are in that ministry. Now, you've met people, man, in, in, in ministry, and, and I don't understand it. Sometimes it's, it amazes me that <clears throat> they get involved somewhere. If that ministry starts at 8 o'clock, they show up at 8 o'clock. But you know, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna be involved in anything, man, you're gonna need to come early. If it was a job, you'd be there early, right? But we ought to be there early and stay late. It's about serving God and serving people. And so I, I give you an example. <clears throat> um, when I when I first got saved, the very first thing that they asked me to do was to clean the toilets at the concert scene. We had a concert scene, bands played on a on a uh, Friday night or Saturday night. And they asked me, they gave me a key. I couldn't believe they gave me a key to the building, man. So it was to open up for prayer and clean the bathrooms. And you know, I was so excited. This is honestly God truth. I was excited that I got to do something from where I'd come from and my past and the things that God had forgiven me. I had a gratefulness. I said, I'm grateful. And I really, this is not something I'm making up or I'm, I'm blowing up. I really did used to sing when I cleaned the bathrooms. I, I, all those easy songs that we used to sing, the real easy ones, I know it was the blood, he set me free as I'm cleaning the toilet, you know. And because uh, I knew it was always going to be in the bathroom, I just knew this is where God had me right now. This is where he wanted to use me. And I was excited, and I truly considered it a privilege. And you can ask my wife, she remembers that. She remembers me coming home with the key going, Look, I got the key. Amen. I got the key. Do they know who I am? There was a lady by the name of Morena Slocum. She was a missionary to the Indian people in the jungles of Mexico from 1943 to 1965. She took 22 years to translate two different languages so they could understand it from, from, from English to, to their language. Then when she was done, she went to the Andes Mountains in South America and she did it again. She was once asked in an interview, she was 93 years old, and they asked her in an interview, they said, Tell me about the sacrifices that you made as a missionary. You know what she said? She said, I, can, I, I have never considered any of it sacrifice, but a privilege and a joy. That is a perfect attitude right there. Amen? So I'm talking about, about the privilege of ministry. It's a privilege, and sometimes we forget the privilege of ministry, and you can always tell by how we treat the ministry we're involved in. And it's the very simple things, man, that we do in that ministry that shows that we don't consider it a privilege anymore. And so there was a guy by the name of David Livingston. He, from what I understand, this guy kind of pioneered the way into Africa years and years ago, I think the 1800s. And he was a Scottish missionary and explorer. He spent 33 years in the heart of Africa. He endured suffering. He labored to spread the gospel on that continent. And he opened the door for a lot of missionaries. Well, he, he said, He's, uh, when they had asked him the same type of question, they asked him about sacrifice, or was it a sacrifice? Uh, can it be considered a sacrifice? And he said, what? He said, it's a privilege. It's not a sacrifice what I did. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, danger. He said, all these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall hereafter be revealed in us and for us. 
And then he finished like this. He said, I never made a sacrifice. I never made a sacrifice. He said, of this we ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice that Jesus did when he left his throne on high to help to come for us. Now listen to this. David Livingston, listen, he walked across Africa 29,000 miles on foot. That's walking from Los Angeles, California to New York. That's 29,014 miles. I looked it up. He walked from New York to Los Angeles to preach the gospel on foot. His wife died early in the ministry. Uh, they said after 33 years of service to God, one morning his aides found him in Africa in his hut. He was on his knees praying and he died on his knees. He had made such an impact in that, that nation that, his, that the guys that worked with him, the Africans that worked with him, he, he didn't ask them to do this. They took him and they laid him down and they cut his heart out. And they took his heart and they buried it under a large tree. They mummified his body and they took him a thousand miles. They walked him a thousand miles mummified to the coast and then sailed him back to England. That's a man that made an impact, man. It's a man that also said it wasn't a sacrifice. He once prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me but only sustain me sever any ties but the tie that binds me to your service and to your heart so all ministry is a privilege i don't care if you're in the nursery or you're ushering you're pastoring or wherever you're at all ministry is truly a privilege it's an honor to be involved and if you're ever going to do anything for god and make any kind of uh, impact on the world really you're going to have to have the attitude that it is a privilege to be in ministry Amen. Uh, you know, we work with a lot of people, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's, you know, you'll have, I'll just use the van ministry as an example since there's no van drivers here from, amen. But it's amazing to me. I'll make a calendar. I'm just, this is a practical example. I'll make a calendar and I'll put on that calendar. Here's when you're driving. Here's what time you need to be here. I have to, I have to, I have to make the coffee. I have to open the door, drive up their van, start them, warm them up. I'm gonna stop doing this too. Warm them up. Call them and wake them up. Tell them to get ready. Could you please be here on time, man? I'll buy donuts. And just, you know, that, that really shouldn't be the mentality that we have. It ought to be, what time do I need to be there? When can I get involved? I'm excited. I want to see God do this. I want to see God do that. You go out of your way. You go above and beyond the call of duty to see that ministry succeed. Secondly, Developing a spirit of excellence, and I first heard this from Pastor Paul years ago. He used to talk about having a spirit of excellence. In Philippians 1.10 in the Amplified, he said, so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve the prize, what is excellent and of real value recognizing the highest and the best. That word excellence defined here means surpassing, extreme, and extraordinary. It means to do or to be better or to surpass. Spiritually, it's being the best you can be by the grace of God. It's not a competition. You're not in competition with other ministries or other people in your ministry. It's something that you do to bring glory and honor to God. You, you develop a spirit of excellence in what you do. And, I, and listen, spiritual excellence is a hallmark of spirituality. It's a hallmark of spirituality. You know, in the military, this is where I got this title. They had this... Um, this saying to go above and beyond the call of duty so I was thinking about the military and and I joined the military in 1981 this was six years after Vietnam so all the drill sergeants were the combat veterans of Vietnam those were the guys that were there training us so these guys were some hardcore you know 
these were some hardcore guys. You know, they were pretty psycho. And, and this is when I first heard about going above and beyond the call of duty. And I, and, and I saw it in these men, you know, how they carried themselves. You know, these are the drill sergeants. So I go, man, their shoes are so shiny, you can see your face in it. Their uniforms are so crisp, man, you can cut you if you touch it. These guys, their hair is perfect. Their hats are perfect. Everything about these men, there was a, 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 an excellence in what they did, how they did that. And they came in, and they wanted to impart that in us. And so they took all of us, hippies and, and uh, I mean, people off the street, whoever it was, long hair, short hair, afros, whatever, took us in a room and shaved every one of our heads, took all our clothes away and gave us all the same clothes. And then we spent time trying to over and over and over and over learn how to march together in unison, how to, how to salute, how to do all these different things together, how to fire a weapon, how to work together without fighting each other, how to get together, because you're taking, you're taking country boys from the south and, and black guys from New York and Puerto Ricans from wherever, Mexicans from over here, and you're bringing them all together and you make them work together. That sounds just like a church to me. Amen. Amen. So in developing a spirit, you know, I, I was telling, talking to my wife on the way here. I always preach to her first. Amen. And um, the one thing that I noticed in the military and basic training is most guys did the very minimum to get by. They really did. They did the very minimum. And so and, and I always did really well in the physical test. It was the other areas, you know, the, the pressure, the, the mental battles and those types of things that I always... Uh, failed on but the physical part I did really good so most guys you know they had they had a, a PT test that you had to pass in this PT test um, you had to do at least 40 push-ups in two minutes and I think it was maybe 50 sit-ups in two minutes and run a two-mile run in 16 minutes I said are you kidding me I did 120 push-ups in two minutes I did I don't know how many sit-ups I did then I ran the two mile with these tiny little legs in 1059 amen and and uh but I did that because there was something in me that always drove me I always felt like I wanted to do better than everybody I maybe it's the short man syndrome I don't know but I always felt driven to go more driven to push things driven to go harder and you know I started to win the approval of those drill sergeants man they started taking notice in the physical aspect of the thing I mean I did some stupid things in basic training but but because I was doing so well in the physical training part of it they always overlooked those things in the obstacle course there was a giant obstacle course we did with our battalion our battalion is about 800 men and they took us out in the middle of nowhere and they have this obstacle course ropes across rivers and all this and then uh, they they picked out of the battalion so many men to go through a, a, a challenge I took second out of 800 men amen and uh and so man I thought I, I thought I was something you know what I mean but guess what I was still a sinner amen I didn't have a spirit of excellence in my life, spiritually speaking. Physically, yes. I mean, I would go out of my way, go above and beyond to do these things. But when it came to spiritual matters, I was completely blind, didn't know what the heck I was doing. So when you develop a spirit of excellence as far as, uh, as, a, as a Christian, let me give you some basic examples of spiritual excellence. And these, I don't even know if I can include these. Showing up on time or come early and leave late faithfulness even when it hurts amen when the broncos are playing or whoever here you guys got the you got the oilers here anymore no cowboys okay <laughs> fulfilling your responsibility in that ministry why should people have to be asked to do things they should they should want to do it you know what i'm here with me a spirit of excellence says i want to do it what can i do you start asking questions that's what i used to do in basic i was always asking 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 i'm going to throw this last one out 
She told me not to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. At the end of basic training, the main drill sergeant, right, you know what he said to me? He, he sat down. This is a guy that just got back from Vietnam. He says, if I have to go to war, he says, there's nobody in this unit that I would want to go with except you. And I thought, wow, amen. Four years later, I got kicked out of the military. How about, how about being groomed? If you're going to usher, if you're going to do certain things in ministry, it would help to take a shower, brush your teeth, comb your hair, look the part, act like you care about what you do in ministry. That's important, amen? A spirit of excellence kind of covers a whole array of different things, but I want to look like, think like, and talk like I really do love what I'm doing and I want to be the best at what I do. I'm not in competition with people around me, but it's to honor God. I want to honor God by the way I do things, amen? Can you say Amen. So when it comes to striving for a, a spirit of excellence, you know what you should do? Make the original worth copying in all you do. Really, make it, do it the best you can do. You know, the, you know when we always do that Thanksgiving dinner that Pastor Dustin talked about? Everybody always gives me the credit. But really, the people that need the credit are the team that I have that help me. They are unbelievable, the people that work in that, that, that they basically do all the work. I get the credit, they do all the work. I mean, they raise money. That you, you wouldn't believe what it takes to, to do a dinner like that, but they do it because they have a super, they're super driven. They have a spirit of excellence in all that they do, and they don't want any credit. Amen. Do it right the first time. Invest in quality. I want to be the best that I can be in whatever I got to do. You know, I was, uh, we were doing some work in the back in the church. We're doing some drywall work, you know, and I'm not the best finisher, finisher in the whole world, but I can do it. I can finish, you know. And uh, it takes me longer to get to the, where other guys, other guys like Rock could get there a lot quicker. So I'm in the back, and some people are helping me, and different people that have come to help, and uh, they would say things to me like, <clears throat> uh, don't worry about it. Nobody will notice. Uh, uh, you know what, man? It looks good enough. <clears throat> I kept hearing things like that. When everybody left, I stood back and looked at the walls, and I said, I can't. It took me like a month, man. I mean, I kept, I kept going over it and over it and over it and over it and over it. And I said, man, I'm getting older. This is hard. And I go over and over. It's 25-foot walls, you know. We're going over and over till I think I got it straight. Amen? But I, I, in all that we do, whether it's in work, whether it's picking up trash, whether you're pastoring, whether you're doing a ministry, there really should be a spirit of excellence in what you do because that really brings glory to God. And then when people see you in that ministry, it says to them, oh, you know what, I want to do it. I want to be like that. I, I, want, I want to show the same uh, gratitude. I want to show the same uh, desire that they have. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Work heartily with your whole being and do it enthusiastically. <coughs> Titus said in 2.14 of Titus, he said, be zealous. So one of the qualities of excellence is attention to detail. Attention to detail. And I'll give you an example. God gave attention to detail when he created you and me. And he expects the same. Look at, look at uh, Psalms 139.14. Uh, David said, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. There is a secret to having joy in ministry. You know, we've all had our ups and downs and you heard the statistic last night, 70% of Preachers deal with depression. Well, I, a lot of Christians do too, you know, because we, there's all kinds of things. The devil's a liar. <clears throat> but I can tell you this. You want joy in ministry? It's contained in that word, excellence. 
There's something about working. There's something about getting your hands dirty like Pastor Dustin said. Excellence is really not a skill. It is an attitude. If you've got the right attitude in your ministry and you're excited, man, God's going um, to do great things in your life because it's really all about attitude. Has anybody here ever had a bad attitude? Amen. Amen. I know it's like to have a bad attitude. Amen. Because then I go home and vent on my wife. Years ago, I used to do that to her and I stopped. Because, man, it makes her gr angry. It makes her grumpy. Amen? I don't know who to complain to now. I complain to myself. I start talking to myself when you get older. When you strive for a spirit of excellence, you do the right thing, not because somebody's watching or making, making you do it. Amen? You do it because you're not a man pleaser. You do it because you want to honor God in what you do. Man, that's, that's all you need to do. Listen, if you'll honor God in what you do, whatever you're involved in. <coughs> when, when we first got saved, my wife and I joined the choir. I can't sing, but I wanted to be involved. And, that, and, and pastors always said there's safety in numbers. And we joined the choir. I was so privileged and excited to be a part of that choir. It didn't last long because it was tough, man, singing. But, but I enjoyed it. I was excited. And anything that I got involved in, I was there early. First person there. First person there, I'm there early walking back and forth. You know, I want to get in. Door's not open yet. I want to be involved, amen? That's, how we, that's the attitude that we need to have. That is really what a spirit of excellence is all about. In Philippians 3.14, Paul said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And that word press is the Greek word dioko. And you know what it means? It means to, like a foot race, to pursue like a foot race, speeding on earnestly. <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me I'll say this about uh you know I was talking about guys in the military that uh that always give just enough to get by well that works everywhere that works on the job that works at church thank you there's a lot of people that are like that but I'll talk mediocrity God don't bless mediocrity amen God blesses those who strive for excellence but there's a lot of people men in life they'll just do enough to get by just enough to squeak by, you know, just enough so they can say that they did it or just enough to say they were there. And I see them. And, you know, Catherine Kuhlman, <coughs> if you knew her or knew about her, read about her, she used to, I read a story one time that uh, she was, the ushers came to seat her in a meeting, you know, to take her and take her up to her seat. And she looked down at the usher's shoes and they were all dusty and dirty. And she said, get me another usher. I'm not letting that man seat me. Because she saw that that man right there didn't take, he didn't, you know, that ministry to him wasn't important to him. He was just there, you know. He just showed up, threw a suit on, didn't match the tie, had some dirty shoes on. There ought to be, there ought to be, uh, you know, when you're doing any kind of ministry, man, you ought to take care in that ministry. Be excited about that ministry. Amen. You're not forced to do it. God, you're not doing God a favor. Some people think they do God a favor. I've had people tell me that. One guy said, one guy said, yeah, I'm not a van driver. I'm not a bus driver. Amen. And I, people, I have people get mad at me. Hey, would you like to help? I, I do the van ministry, obviously. I say, hey, would you like to drive once a month? Nah, that's not my thing. I said, people aren't your thing. Amen. That's an awesome ministry. Amen. You get to go pick up the sinners and bring them to church. <laughs> but God doesn't bless mediocrity. God blesses those who strive for excellence and, and, and having a desire to please God in all that we do, we treat that ministry as though God put us there. And God did put us there. Whatever we're doing, God put you there, whether you believe it or not. Amen? God put you there for that time and that season. You know, uh, 
Pastor Paul used to say this years ago and it stuck in my head. He said, if you continue to do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. And when I think about that, I say, man, I do not want to be who I am right now in three years. So what do I need to do to get, you know, in three years from now to be, I, I don't want to be exactly the way that I, that I am. I don't want to think like I do now. I want to go on for God. I want, there has to be a spirit of excellence in everything that we do. And I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Daniel was a perfect example. If you read the book of Daniel on your own time, you'll see, man, this is a man that would not compromise. No matter what the cost was. And, and Daniel uh, 6 and 3, he said, that it says Daniel was distinguished. He distinguished himself above the governors, the satraps, uh, because of an excellent spirit that was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over his whole realm. So what happens when you, when you strive for a spirit of excellence? God will give you unprecedented favor. God will give you creativity. God will cause your ideas to stand out. God will even make your enemies to be at peace with you. So there's three aspects of ministry. The first was the privilege of ministry, the spirit of excellence, and lastly, the call of God. You know, Matthew 22, 14, Jesus said, many are called or invited and summoned, but few chosen. And there are several different calls in the word of God. There is a call to repentance and prayer in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. So really, there is a call to prayer and repentance. And there is a call for laborers. We heard about outreach. He said, truly, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And it seems in every church, there's never enough people to do what needs to be done. There's never enough people to do what needs to be done. And number three, there's a call to preach this gospel. This gospel is the greatest enterprise on planet Earth. There is nothing that you could do. There's no office. There's nothing that you could be asked to do on planet Earth that is a greater calling than what we do. There is not. I'm not, I'm not saying that just to say it. It's the truth. For you to become president, you would have to step down. Because God calls you and I, not only his laborers, we're his representatives, we're his ambassadors. We are the ambassadors for the creator of the heaven and the earth. Amen. And there's that call, Mark 16, 15. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 1 Corinthians 9, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. 2 Chronicles, or 2 Corinthians 5.11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Several times Jesus said these words, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. But just because you hear the call doesn't mean that you accept it or that you take it seriously. And that's really one of the big problems, man. A lot of young people in this generation that today is they don't take it seriously. They don't take the call seriously. They don't take what God's doing in their life seriously. They can't see beyond what the, today what they're doing right now. There's no vision in their life to go forward in the future. What does God want to do in your life? Maybe God wants to send you to another country. It sounds far-fetched. Maybe God wants to use you a pastor at church. It sounds out, of, out there. But listen, God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God, God uses the base things, the, 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 the things, the general, I mean, things that are low, amen? That's why I'm here, praise God. He takes those things, amen, and he does, and he gets glory for it. 
Do you remember the rich young ruler, Gehazi and Judas? The rich young ruler ignored God. Gehazi, the disciple of Elijah, lied to God. And Judas, the disciple of Jesus, betrayed God. Not everybody that hears the call is going to go after the call. Not everybody that hears that call is going to do what they need to do to see God do something in their life. I would hate, I would hate to, to, to be, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think about it. I say, God, please don't let me miss. What, what are you trying to do in my life? I want to be like Livingston when he said, send me wherever you want me to go, only go with me. I, w- I want that mentality. I want that mentality that says, God, what, are you, what do you want me to do? How do you want to change me? What do you want to do in my life? How do you want to transform me or do whatever? And sometimes God will shake you up. How many have ever been shaken up, man? I've been shaken. God has shook me, shook me, shook me till I thought I was going to, I, I was going to die. I didn't think I was going to, I didn't know what to do. But I'm telling you, man, in the end, God always begins to mold us and shape us and restructure our lives again. Let me ask you a couple questions. You still have that burning desire to be used by God? Or do you just come to church? You know, the old saying, SMOs, Sunday morning only. Amen. SMOs, they come, they praise God, they're dressed really good, they got their Bible, they lift their hands, and then you don't see them for a week. You have that burning desire. Is that desire burning you? Does it wake you up at night anymore? Do you feel that inside of you? Do you feel that longing? Is that, that God reaching in? You know, you got to be sensitive and be praying, but God will reach inside and he'll start dealing with you. I mean, you won't, sometimes you don't even know. I remember when uh, I had this feeling i didn't know what it was i've been saved six months maybe less than six months and and i told my wife i said something's wrong with me because i've never had these feelings before i said i have these feelings i don't know what they are i'm 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 antsy i'm i'm like i there's something i'm i'm what do i what's going on and i went to pastor and i said pastor and i a lot of times when i first used to go talk to him i was always like uh 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 you know how you stutter Amen. I said, there's, uh, the, you know, I uh, got this, I feel, uh, he says, you're called. Uh, okay. <laughs> he says, I'm going to help you. And then a couple weeks later, I found myself ushering. The same suits I used to wear in the clubs, now I was wearing these suits ushering. Amen. I'm not going to tell you I was all, I was all, you know, I, let me tell you the truth. My legs were like this because I didn't want him to ask me to pray. Whenever they were looking for someone to pray, I was... God, I dropped something, amen. But I was glad to be an usher. That's a guy was so happy. I, 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 I would iron my suit. I would iron my, I would iron my shirt. I'd make sure my ties were straight. I'd shine my shoes. I got, I mean, I couldn't afford new clothes. Sometimes I'd go to the Goodwill. I used to call it G-Will. You can go anywhere and get good stuff. I wanted to look good, amen. So after he asked me to start ushering, listen, the devil is such a liar and such a discourager. I pulled up in the, I was coming to the church with my wife and my brand new baby coming in to usher and uh, I'm pulling in the parking lot. I look in the rearview mirror and there's the, the sirens. And I, so I, it was when we were over at the roller rink and when I pulled in the parking lot, all the ushers are looking over like this, you know, what's this new guy doing? What's going on? And so the cop tells me, he says, license and registration. I give him license and registration and I'm telling him, dude, man, I got a suit on. I'm going to church. I said, what's your problem, man? I'm trying to do right now, you know? eight months before you know I was in jail you know and now I'm trying to do right then he tells me to get out of the car I get out of the car he said put your hands on the car and I put my hands on the car and he cuffs me and I said what's going on he says your your license is expired I mean I didn't know I I didn't know it was expired 
uh, I, I don't know what I was thinking. But did he have to take me to jail in my suit that I was ushering in? <clears throat> and he took me to jail. I lost the victory in the, in the, in the in lockup by myself, throwing my coat around, mad at God, <laughs> throwing stuff around. I'm back here again. I didn't even do it. And my wife bonded me out. I was there that night for Sunday night service ushering. Amen. But I want to ask you, do you still got that burning desire? If you don't, you got to get it back. Do you, are you striving for excellence in whatever you do in your ministry? Is there a, a striving for excellence in what you do? I mean, are, are you saying, what can we do better? What can we do better? What can I do better? How can I help my pastor or how can I help my leader? What can I do to be a blessing to them instead of a burden? You know, uh, any, any leader, man, doesn't want people serving under them that are more of a burden to them than they are a blessing. There is nothing like being a blessing to a leader. You're there early. You leave late. You ask, is there anything else I can do? Abe used to do that all the time. He used to always ask and say, hey, what can I do? Where can I go? And he never, honestly, he really never complained. And he used to make, make me think there was something wrong with him. Amen. But he would never complain, and he would always be there to do stuff, you know. But I want to tell you, I want to be like that. that. I'm striving for that. And I know that you do too, but sometimes we forget. And then I want to ask you, are, are you doing whatever you need to do to prepare yourself to, to go into the ministry? Are you called to preach? What are you doing to prepare yourself? What is your wife doing to prepare? Is she practicing on an organ? Are you thinking, praying? Are you getting yourself ready? And there's nothing wrong with getting in front of a mirror, closing the door, and practice preaching. Amen? Practice preaching. Watch, catch things. Watch how pastor preaches. Watch, watch how they, you know, how they put a mess. Ask pastor, your pastor, how does he put a message together? Lord, what's going to happen? Start asking questions. Why don't men ask questions anymore? Why don't they ask, what's it like? What am I going to need to do? How should I handle my finances? What should I do with this? What should I do with that? When there is a true call of God on your life, you're going to do whatever it takes to prepare yourself. Why wait until you get out there and then you're like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. That's how I felt, but I, I had prepared myself. My wife had practiced. It was just that first service was psycho, amen, <clears throat> because me and my wife got in a fight because we had never practiced singing together. Y'all better practice. So I thought I could sing, and I had a tambourine, and she, was, she used to hide behind the, uh, she'd go like this and hide behind the uh, thingy and, pra and play. So when we got ready to play, I said, uh, you ready? There was maybe 20 people. I said, he set me free. Yes, he set me free. I said, that's off. That you're not, you're off. She goes, no, you're off. And I said, no, let's try it again. And we argued, man. We were yelling at each other. For, we don't even know these people, man. We're taking this church. And they're looking at us like, what kind of people are these? Amen. We should have prepared ourselves, man. We didn't prepare ourselves. Oh, what are you doing to get ready? What are you doing to prepare yourself? Get out of debt, man. Stop spending the plastic. Get out of debt. Practice restraint. And then I want to ask you this last question. You know, have you forgotten the privilege of being used by God? Because when you realize how much of a privilege it is to do what we do in whatever capacity it is, it makes you lift your head high when you come to church. You want to be here early. You want to ask, is there anything that I could do? How can I be involved? You're not a men pleaser. You're a God pleaser. And you want to do what God asks you to do. I want to close with this um, with this scripture, it's in Hebrews chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And I can't even find Hebrews. 
Here it is. You know, people aren't called by God because they're talented or because they can speak well in public or because they, they're smart or they, they look good. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. He said, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. I know that sometimes ministry can be discouraging, Things happen, there's betrayal, there's all these things that happen. But I want to keep coming back to that one basic thing. I, number one, I want to go above and beyond the call. I can't, I can't climb inside someone's body and make them serve God. I can't, I, you know, things are going to happen. But I can be responsible for me. I want to be responsible for me. There's no perfect people here, but I can tell you what, we can strive for excellence. And you'll make, you'll make your ha pastor very, very happy. Amen.